In March of this year, the Magnetic Fields released 50 Song Memoir, a year-by-year -year musical consideration of the life of founder and chief songwriter Stephen Merritt. A 50-song quintuple album would be any other band's magnum opus, but the Magnetic Fields have been down this road before. 69 Love Songs was released to near-universal acclaim on September 7, 1999. The three 23-song discs encompass at least a dozen genres and five lead singers. Merritt himself plays over 50 instruments. At the time the record was released, Merritt told the San Francisco Bay Guardian that his initial idea was to record 100 love songs, but that was too many, so he scaled it back to 69. Dudes. But we wondered, hey, what if 69 songs is also too many? What if two Seattle music nerds had to edit it down to 12? Which cuts would make the cut? Find out this week on Hidden Jukebox. I should have guessed that you'd be just like all the rest. Now I know. Laura Lowe, welcome. Are you ready to do this? I think so. Um, very much love, so much love for all these songs. Now, I feel like what we're doing here kind of would have been a like a dorm room conversation in fall of 99. I had that conversation. Sure. I was still in school. I was an undergrad for a very long time. And so I got to have these conversations in college. And it would change, you know, month to month. Um what our favorite songs were and why and sure i was not in college at the time but i was on this power pop mailing list um wow <laughs> and uh i this was this was one of a few albums from around that time that uh, that i remember like suddenly boom everyone was talking about this um and uh, and of course saying like you know which which are your favorite cuts from 69 love songs definitely and also um really at that moment, it was like I felt kind of grown up because I was listening to it in a way that other music didn't make me feel like an adult. Huh. And um, I don't know if there's any music that makes me feel like an adult. This does because Why? of um, because of literary references uh -huh. and just the deep, deep, deep levels of irony and... Um, despair and like pessimism and fatalism about relationships and you know the most hopeful songs here of this like sinister under undercurrent of oh it's all gonna work out no it's not right it's not it's actually not so it's it's kind of I guess to me being an adult means like at the end of the day no matter how optimistic you are realizing like no it all sucks yeah that's um songs like that kind of make me happy though because um this is a conversation I've had many times, and I'm far from the not in the first thousand people to to make this point. But I feel like listening to like an unvarnished happy song usually makes me sad, and listening to a sad song usually makes me happy because the the listening to the the super happy song makes me feel like, oh, why don't I ever feel like that? And listening to the sad song makes me feel like, oh, cool, I'm not the only one. And listening to these songs again for the purpose of this homework that we gave ourselves uh -huh. really um again it's like listening to them in in such a different more kind of academic way um and it makes you know it's like well, what what's what's really happening here why do i really like it and and that's not how you listen to music when you're a fan of music so i think that that's been interesting for me is having that that difference of really having to like make the unconscious conscious through this process of 
what are the six songs and and really struggling with that and um trying to think of just going for the first six that i went for and then second guessing myself a tremendous amount yeah, see, I wasn't sure when we first uh, gave ourselves the assignment whether we were each going to choose 12 or each choose six. So first I chose 12, and then I had to figure out which six to kick off, and that was much harder for me than choosing the initial 12. Definitely. Um, so do you want to start us off? Sure. Um, I Think I Need a New Heart is pretty much my life's theme song. Okay, here we go. Stand still, all I can feel is the time standing still as you put down the keys and say, Don't call me, please. While the radio plays, I think I need a new heart. Oh, I think I need a new Next week, I'm going to plug the uh, computer and I'm going to pull out the big mixer so I can like fade songs in and out. So I the, feel so bad like cutting line, it off abruptly. No, like no, that. no, no. The line um, I always say, I love you when I mean turn out the lights. <laughs> and I say, let's run away when I mean just stay, stay the, the night. night. <laughs> like, like, that's just everything for me. Like, that, those two lines. And um, that's been kind of like the story of my whole life um, is, you know. I'm a hopeless romantic. I was raised on Broadway. I'm a hopeless romantic. Yeah. I, I went to, you know, I went to Annie with Yule Brenner on Broadway. Um, God, when I was, when I was, uh, like I mean, sorry, 10 King and old. I, King oh, okay. and I, King and I, sorry. And, and, oh, then, wow. and then also Annie. Yeah. I went to, when I was like three or four, I saw Yule Brenner in King and I. And oh, then, that's amazing. And then I went to Annie. I went to Cats. It was like my, my birthday present every year from like my grandparents or something it was going to a different Broadway show. And so at the end of the day, 69 Love Songs is, it's a musical. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, and I just can't wait till he finally actually just does a musical. It seems like that that would have happened by now, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder like how much, I, I think this album more than almost any other I can think of, like one, the listener's own romantic history uh probably plays into how much you know how your relationship with the album because for me like you know I love this album but I feel like I have more of a detached approach than you because oh no it is everything I'm like oh that happened that happened oh that happened oh and also wow it's nice to know someone as stupid as me is out there. Yeah, I mean, I like recognize the universal experience here but many of them aren't mine. Yeah. Um and so and and mostly mostly i i would say like you know your relationship with a song is is sort of hard to you know it's just about when you heard the song and what you were feeling then but but these these are so so specific and so you know written to very uh universal uh themes of of falling in and out of love and uh, love and hate um that uh it's it's not it's not so simple there's there was an interview with one of the members of the band saying that in particular um, queer folks and 
women with troubled histories seek out the magnetic fields for um, comfort, solace, and like a sense of like being known in the world. Yeah. And that it's a particular kind of loneliness and a particular kind of like disenchantment with love that's captured here that that appeals specifically to those groups. So that's not something I'm saying, but someone in the band said that. Yeah. And last time when we were talking about, or two times ago, when we were talking about Bell and Sebastian and talking about hearing songs that had uh, explorations of like sexuality in them. Yeah. I mean, that's for me again, like this really spoke to like a lot of my um, journey in figuring out my own like sexuality and, and feeling like there was a whole spectrum of different relationships that were depicted in these songs. Yeah, that's true. And so I felt like represented. Um, should we move on? Sure. Okay. My my first pick is Reno Dakota and because it's only 1 minute 5 seconds long, I'm just going to play the whole thing. Reno Dakota, there's not an iota of kindness in you. You know you enthrall me and yet you don't call me. It's making me blue. Pantone 292. Reno, Dakota, I'm reaching my quota of tears for the year. Alas and alack, you just don't call me back, you have just disappeared. It makes me drink beer. I know you're a recluse, you know that's no excuse, Reno, that's just a ruse. Do not play fast and loose with my heart. Reno, Dakota, I'm no Nino Rota, I don't know the score. Have I annoyed you or is there a boy who, well, he's just a whore? I've had him before, it makes me drink more. So I was trying, I was trying to count beats <laughs> during that song. I don't know what's going on. Like, there are a number of time signatures. Yes. Uh, that song for me... Um, there's something so brash about it. Um, like it's, uh, like the intellectualism, like, uh, I remember when I was on this power pop mailing list, like, uh, everyone, uh, wanted to make it clear whether they knew if, if they, you knew who Nino wrote, Nino Rota. Oh no. <laughs> Nino Rota was yeah. um, like, you wanted to make sure everybody knew this. I did not know. See, this gets back to that whole, like Gen X trying to like be like yeah we get all the references yeah. we're cool like i just i spend so much time with millennials now and they just don't do that to each other that's there's great. not like that proving of like yeah i've read i've read all those books and i get all that oh that's that, uh, wonderful to hear <laughs> but this song um yeah it's it's the 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 song the throughout for people that haven't listened to this before um you know, there's there's songs where Stephen Merritt's singing, and but the songs that are sung with the female voice are are it all works together so well, and mm -hmm. it, it's it's it helps to have that whole like I said range of like human experiences represented. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is like a really political album for me. Interesting. Um, and. It's the fact that it had commercial success and critical success and it's stood this test of time and 
Um, it's kind of like a later half of the century American songbook in a way. Yeah. I mean, that's in some ways surprising and fantastic. You know, if you're hanging out at a party and you wanted to like play some songs that people could sing along to. Oh, yeah. This this works well for that. Yeah. My next one was Luckiest Guy in the Lower East Side. Okay. I'm a Yimby. I'm an advocate for cities. Um, I'm I'm also all of these things, but not as good at it as you are. And and this song is about car sharing and <laughs> polyamory, uh-huh. and it's about using you know that feeling of of no matter how car free you are, you know that feeling of when you when you are able to make those escapes. And right. It, there's. There's something I've been car free in a number of cities, um, in Santa Monica, in Chicago, and here for 11 months, and recently went back to having a car and um, immediately like drove as far away as I could in it. You know, like it <laughs> where was, did you go? Um, like Whidbey Island, uh-huh. and, you know, got got out into beautiful nature. Yeah, you have to, right? So. And and then also um, times when I have had a car, I don't drink, so I'm often like the designated driver. When I was in a band, I would uh-huh. be the person that would drive the van. Um, and so thinking about being that person that people call when they need a ride somewhere, um, so relatable. But also this is just it's it's such a uh, it's such a specific snapshot of of a character uh-huh. and. Until the recent 50-song memoir, he argues that none of these songs were about him, but everybody just assumed they were. Right. And this was definitely one of the ones I was like, whoa, what kind of life? Like, interesting yeah. life you lead. And then, you know, to hear later on, he's like, no, none of the songs were about me. Now, do you... When when I listen to this, like, I, I feel like when I when I first got the album in, in 99, I, this this didn't really jump out to me, but... but uh, but nowadays, when I hear this track, I, I I feel like it's coming from kind of a problematic male perspective, um, in the sense that that he's saying like um, you know, hey, uh, you know, 
he, he, he sort of sounds like, you know, like a like an internet trolley, like, hey, I'm a nice guy. How come no girls like me, huh? Wow. Um, uh, maybe. Uh, and I don't think that was the the intention. There is and, arrogance there. Yeah. No, no, um, no. There's an arrogance. And, and I and I also I realized like this song is about a character, and you you don't have to love the character to to love the song. No, all, a lot of the characters in these songs are extremely flawed, extremely problematic. You don't always have sympathy for them. Right. Sometimes I'm listening to these songs, and I'm like, oh, the main protagonist in this mini story is insufferable. Oh yeah, and um, we'll get to that later on. There's one in particular where where I have that reaction, um, but then me kind of mocking them and laughing them in my mind is part of what I love. Sure. Um, so so this song um, for me, we would we would put it on in the car on trips, and everyone would sing along. And um, there's some really epic vocal things that happen later on in the song. Yes. And uh, it gets higher and higher and, and more, you know, being able to sing the phrases that he does at the end without taking a breath. Yeah. I was with a lot of like singing music nerds. And so, and so there's, there's vocally, this is a really challenging song to sing. Um, and really, so, so there's that technical aspect of probably it. Probably moving across your chest voice to head exactly. voice break a bunch of times. Exactly. And um, it's just, it's really uh, cathartic music. Yeah. Um, it it gets out a lot of feelings. It also, when I hear the song, um, I'd be like, "Oh, maybe I should live in New York." <laughs> like, sure. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like thinking about how the default is to be car free. Yeah. That's, so that's the urban part of me. That's certainly something again. I miss about New York. But also, also like these, all these. Uh, it has a real like New York view of friendships that's very different from Seattle. I yes, think yes. Um, that uh, in in New York you you tend to kind of like fall into this set in a way that that you don't in Seattle. I think definitely. Your remind me what your I think I need a new heart. So I think in our first four picks we're going to go through four singers because I think I need a new heart with Stephen Merritt. Okay. Uh, Reno Dakota was Claudia Gonson. Uh, luckiest guy on the Lower East Side is Dudley Clute, which is one of my favorite names to say. Um, and uh, so my next pick is uh, No One Will Ever Love You, which is uh, Shirley Sims. I always skip this song. <laughs> I paid to 
there are a bunch of things I love. Okay, so why, why do you skip this one? I mean, it's kind of um, relentlessly mid-tempo, I guess. <laughs> There's not a lot of dynamic range to it. The 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 production on it isn't clean enough no, for me. And then there's the like, I don't know the technical name for it, but the like coming in and out. And then there's like the noodly guitar part. It's that's just, what I was going to say. That's my favorite thing about it. It's just like it. I, I skipped this so many times. There's so many. There's a few songs on here that like, yeah, I would skip it. But, you know, there were times where there was people around when I was listening to it. And they're like, no, leave this one on. So okay, I love her. I love her voice. It's very androgynous. It's very yeah, very eighties, but like with a more lo-fi, not not an eighties polished production. Um, When I was a guitar player, like that was. uh, I mean, mostly I played rhythm guitar, but uh, when I when I could, I would be like the person uh, who came up with like the three note little guitar accent okay um that uh you know we need something there like you know matthew like give us give us four notes nice um and uh i i love doing that i love hearing that um i love the minor four chord at the end of the Mm, chorus yeah um that uh that is something that i think it redeems it yeah can be can be totally overused but not for me it gets me every time in any song nice um and uh so yeah i guess that's why i picked that is, are there particular lyrics in that song that speak to you, or it's more about the what's going on musically? I think it's more about what's going on musically, and this is going to be a recurring theme for us, I think. Um, Except for me, it's the story. Yeah. And for you, it's the music. Um, I also like that, uh, there's another guitar noodle thing, but I think it's a pedal steel, maybe, that okay. really, really d- faint, distant, bent note if this, um, that sounds sort of like a meow. If these 69 love songs were made into a musical, I feel like this song that you just played would have just such different lighting like yes, it would yes, have such uh-huh. different lighting like and maybe like a blue light yeah kind of. i'm imagining like you know like like someone you know sitting in in a at a desk looking out a window and, it, yeah. and there's moonlight coming in and and um there's this like writing a letter maybe <laughs> That would be t- <laughs> too too much, too on the nose. Probably like holding a cell phone, texting. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, there you I go. mean, let's let's put it into into the modern times. Yeah. Um. But but yes, it would have very different lighting. Would this musical be set in 1999 or today? Um. Or or would it be set in like Shakespearean times? No, no, no. I, I if I if I directed it, it would be today. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. So here we get to probably the song that is it my turn it's my turn yes it is yes um busby berkeley dreams okay I, amazing this this was the one that i put on my list and then when i saw you had it on yours i'm like okay as long as we get it in yes. there you can have it yes But now you 
stained all the pages of my true romance magazines. We still dance in my outrageously beautiful Busby Berkeley dreams. And now, so yeah, uh, gay icon. Yes. Um, Again, I, I was don't raised think I on knew this. who Busby Berkeley okay, was when I was this raised, came out. I was raised on Busby Berkeley, watching it uh-huh. so much, and um, very much was aware, even as a child, that it was like a gay iconic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think my upbringing might have been a little bit untraditional. Yeah, I, I don't think I could have said as a kid. I was raised on Busby Berkeley and Woody Allen, okay. so yeah, as, as like a five-year-old. Um, read Lolita Perfect. when I was in fifth grade. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so Busby Berkeley dreams, I'm just listening to it thinking about, I was thinking when I, when I first heard this, I was just like, and then I I studied music and I was going to be an early music singer. And so I thought about the use of, um, the way he ends all the phrases with the, I think it's called a hemiola, but like the, it might be called that. Um, I have to dig back into my my musical memory, but the the da 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 da, like that baroque, yep. that baroque pattern of like madrigals and other things. So um, the musical references are like very deep, and then the the topic um, and the idea of of dreaminess and. Um, which comes up on this album a lot. Right. So you have like Luckiest Guy in the Lower East Side, which is like this practical, transactional, am I being used? Do I care if I'm being used? Uh-huh. No, I actually love being used. Like, use me. Use yeah. me for my car. And and it's just so grounded. And then this song is so um, almost ethereal. I mean, I don't think Stephen Merritt ever really goes all the way there because of his vocal quality. Right. And, because of the, the the oppressive negativity that he like actively celebrates, um, but yeah, this song, this song really, uh, it's it's almost certain songs are like a litmus test for me with people. Like, do we do we match on yeah. music? And it's like if if this doesn't do it for you, like yeah, we're not going to be listening to music together that much. But yeah, I I realize like I'm I'm afraid to ask you. Um, I uh, I was having this conversation with uh, with my wife uh, around when I was thinking about starting this podcast. Um, like what and and then we talked about it on the Tiger Milk episode. Um, that uh, for for you and for me also like uh, you know Tiger Milk or early Bell and Sebastian is is like uh, you know a friendship marker for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, is do you have an album like off the top of your head that is like the most quintessential for you? Like it's hard to imagine um, someone being being a bad person if they like this album, or being a good person for you if they don't like this album. Because I know what it is for me, but I'm afraid when when I say it, you're gonna say no way. <laughs> um, probably uh, Pink Floyd metal. Okay. Like if you don't like that, so um. Yeah, so so I'm more. I guess it's more of a classic rock test. Okay. And then um, I have a lot of trouble with people that won't give like Jane's Addiction, Nothing's Shocking, a chance. Oh, that's great. Um. So I don't know. So I guess I don't know what that reveals about me. Kind of like a harder rock yeah. sensibility, maybe. Um, 
Yeah, I, I like that. I don't. I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other about the Pink Floyd, but I don't. I don't think I know that album as well as some of the more famous Pink Floyd yeah. albums. Yeah. Um. The the one that that jumped to mind for me was uh, Weezer, the Blue Album. Okay. We need to. We need to do we'll, those. We'll do that for yes, sure. We need to do, we okay. need to do those. So, what's your next one? Uh, my next one is Underwear. Okay. Imagining Stephen Barrett jumping for joy. Yeah, it's, he it, he never. I've never seen him that. so many times, and I'm like, I he's you know he would like literally stop himself and be like, I don't I don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so this okay. So for me, this one I think is more about the lyrics. Great. Um, because I I like that it is a a you know a frank expression of of sexuality and like a a sexual gaze in particular yes. that feels at least moderately inclusive yes i would say um and i i i like that because like i i feel like i have a very complicated relationship with with this kind of feeling in myself wow um see that, is it the therapy part yeah this yeah is some good stuff so yeah. okay good we finally we found it yes. um we, we dug deep enough <laughs> yes. for me um that uh like I, I you know i'm a i'm a straight guy and i feel like i have all of these straight guy feelings that make many straight guys do terrible things wow and um so i i've never really figured out exactly like how to how to like have these feelings and also feel like a good person at the same time. Oh, so good. Um, so good. And, uh, you know, this, this song like is, is sort of like a, a way to stew in that for three minutes. Amazing. Um, in, in, in a way that feels positive. Said. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of like permission granting that he does. And in, in the 50 song memoir, I saw the first half of the, uh -huh. when it was here. And I read, I just read yesterday. He's like, if you're going, don't just buy one. You have to buy both. It's just like, he was like, you are personally insulting me. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I only could like afford one night. Uh -huh. It was really expensive. Um, but but yeah, it, there's so, 
Yeah, it was like fifty dollar memoir, right? It was more, but but the 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 he's doing more like permission granting in those songs, even even more so. But it's like, yeah, it's okay to feel like it's okay to be used for your car and celebrate that instead of being ashamed. There's just a lot of like, get rid of your shame. Yeah, um, which is so nice. I think that my songs are all songs that I could dance to. Uh-huh. That's what I was looking at, like, what's the common theme? So as much as it's about the lyrics, um, the next song has the word dancing in it, and a lot of his songs have the word dancing. Yeah. And when he sings dancing, he sings it very specific. Um, and there's something in, like, uh, I think it's Wagner, a leitmotif. Yeah, and I, I'm getting super nerdy here. No, the, I but, didn't. I didn't know the last uh, ten dollar music word that you came up with, but but I think you're right on this one. I think that that when you yeah when he's he's like oh I'm gonna sing that word and he automatically you know at the piano or with his voice goes to a certain place for certain words. Yeah, um, which is really like cool when you see that that over time. As and in, with the word dancing, in particular, I feel like it usually comes out of like a like a half fake German accent when he says it. <laughs> dancing. When we're dancing. See, I, I, yeah. And I think that that's a direct reference to Marlene Dietrich. Oh, sure. So it's like, there's all this like, I was raised, uh, you know, in a heteronormative household where gay icons were like held up as the pinnacle of like cultural success. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, John Waters, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh, you know, camp. Like yeah. I was raised with like, camp is everything. Camp is like when you've achieved pure like wow cultural success. Do you feel like your life is campy enough? It is now. Okay. <laughs> Good. There's a lot of, yes, now it is. Okay, so wait. It, Sun goes down and the world goes dancing. Oh, I was guessing it was the other one. Here we Sorry. Go. No, that's fine. doing with his voice again is more like baroque or yeah. more madrigal stuff and and playing with time signatures when for, music was first written early music didn't have time signatures and um and that came later on and the idea that you have this four four and then you have kind of that 
sway waltzy stuff on top of it is yeah. is definitely thematic. Um, this is kind of a song that I play for people to like have never heard magnetic fields before. Yeah, I, I kind of start the, I start them here because it lacks at at the beginning of the song. <laughs> it lacks kind of that like deep, deep, deep irony, which I think some people find to be pretentious or forced yeah. and is a turnoff. And so I kind of go here first. Um, ukulele has just gotten more and more and more trendy. And, you know, you listen to sometimes I'll listen to like 107. 1077 the end. Yeah. So like just occasionally just to just to like sonically be like, so what's going on? And wait, is there a lot of alternative music ukulele yes. happening? It's super weird. Do you, do you know any bands? I, like I, I don't want to say the names of the bands. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because it's, but but you know you, you don't you don't want to like give them a big boost no, like like give them free no. free press on this very popular show that we haven't yes, launched yet. No, okay. I don't want to give them the the, the hidden jukebox bump. Okay, um, but the you know I learned how to play ukulele later in life. Mm-hmm. And, Me too. Um, you know I think about kind of this this commercialization of like Zoe Deschanel with a ukulele, oh, okay. you know, like this kind of like hipster, like I'm going to learn ukulele and walk around with it at parties. And, but he's been playing the ukulele for 20 years, Yeah, you know? And so, so yeah, so that, that kind of, um, I remember I didn't know, I didn't know much about them and I saw them in Chicago and yeah, he played the ukulele the whole time and it was really like stripped down um, and it was really folky and it had such a different vibe. All kind of the 80-ness was taken out of it. Yeah. Like all the production was gone and and you were left with these folk songs. Yeah, I think I definitely get the feeling that that uh, most of the songs on this record could be, could be performed with a variety of arrangements mm-hmm. successfully. Yeah. Um, because because they're a lot a lot of them are more like ideas of songs like like that that you're sort of hearing the skeleton of the song. Mm. Um, but then people like us would fill in the other parts. Oh yeah, which is really good, like really satisfying for your brain yes. to be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna fill in um, the harmonies. Yeah, Bell and Sebastian, we had that conversation mm-hmm. too about you fill in the missing pieces when there's space. Yeah. So this is driving me nuts. But um, the thing that jumped out at me uh, from this song right away is something that I know I have heard in other songs and can't think of any specific examples. But it's this um, like three bar pattern that has five chords. And it's uh, like uh, one. uh, It goes uh, the the last the last chord is held for a full bar. Okay. Um, So so it's. uh, you know, two two beats, two beats, two beats, two beats, four beats, um, five different chords. Uh, there's probably a name for this. I'm not describing it very well, but it has kind of a uh, kind of a circularity that's very satisfying. Super. That, that it it, uh, it it resolves in 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 kind of a satisfying and slightly unexpected way. When all our callers call in and be like, there's this song exactly. in this song. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Let's yes. put this out to the listeners. Please, please. <laughs> what song am I thinking please. of? Please, we, we know you're listening. Uh, okay, um, my next one is If You Don't Cry. Another one I skipped. <laughs> 
There's a there's a song in the New 50 song memoir called 87 at the Pyramid. And you'd have to get kind of in the middle of the song to get there. But but so much of this album, you could just do a side by side with and what's I'm the sure song in the 50 have. song. Mem- right. In the 50 song memoir. What's the what's the corollary? Um, you know, where did he end up with that musically, you know, um, a while later, a couple decades later? So, so tell me about the song for you. Um, so I love the I love the arrangement. So it's got um, th- this showed up in uh, Lucky Sky on the Lower East Side. Also, there's this like synth patch that they're using that that sounds sort of like a, a suction cup being pulled off a window, like a, or, or like a particular kind of tongue click sort of awesome. Um, that that the very hollow popping sound. Yeah. Um, that uh, that I think works really well here. That's a very '80s bubblegum yes. feel to it. Um, and I love the I love the the line an hour goes by she doesn't mm. um there's there's definitely a that's definitely a literary device with a name but i don't know what it's called it's good if my, if my wife the english major was here <laughs> she would know yeah. um and i like how the chorus is very short mm. um that it at least I, I think it does repeat later in the song but but at least the first time you hear it there um uh it's it's just uh you know if you don't cry it isn't love if you don't cry, then you just don't feel it deep enough. Boom, back to the verse. Yeah. Um, I, I like that sort of thing. Like, we're going to tease you with a little a bit of a catchy chorus, but you don't get the whole thing right now. I was so kind of like anti, anti-80s music the first time I listened to this album mm-hmm. that anything that had that like sonic kind of home base, yeah. I would just be like, skip. <laughs> like, I was too cool for that. Yeah. I was like, I was like, yeah, nope, sorry. And it's so funny now because... Um, my favorite song in the 50 song memoir is is 87 at the pyramid and um it's all about 1987 and being on his own for the first time and um and dancing at this club and uh-huh. like who's at the club and um maybe this song doesn't have enough of a like character for me to latch onto that's true like it i doesn't. don't really get a sense of like well who is this person and right. Why are they saying this? And and so it might not just be the music. It might be that where's the where's the backstory or like where's the um, where is that crying coming from? Or yeah, that makes sense. I guess I guess I just don't need that as much. <laughs> um, should I play some of eighty seven at the pyramid? No, no, no. We can we can tease people later. Okay. Yeah, people can go and journey and discover that. All right. What's um, your next song? Um, I don't remember. Let's see. <laughs> There's many to choose from. <laughs> Okay, so I went back and forth and back and forth on this um, because it really annoys so many people I know. Oh, I think that I think I know what you're um, gonna say. And it annoys me too, but there's this part of me I love going to baseball games and I love going to hockey and I love cheering and I was in marching band and I would do all the cheers and like gosh Laura which song could you be talking about <laughs> Washington DC W-A-S-H-I-N-G T-O-N baby D-C W-A-S-H-I-N-G T-O-N baby D-C Washington DC 
Skip to the very end. Sure. Like the last few lines. Ride that railroad track. It's my baby's kiss that keeps me coming back. It's my baby's kiss that keeps me coming back. Yeah, go. Perfect. So, so the the payoff for me is those last two lines, okay. and the um. Just unabashed, like, hopefulness of long-distance relationships. Yeah. That, like, we're going to have our happy ending. Like, we can do it. And at the time, at the time I was listening to this album the most, uh, it definitely had a few long-distance relationships. Uh Um, So it spoke to me in that way. And... Uh, yeah, it's something where I'm always like, I'm always putting it on mixes and being like, oh, this person's going to be so pissed at me. Like, <laughs> yeah. like why? Because a lot of people hate this song. But but it is short. Yeah. Um, but it's it's an earworm. You hear yeah. it the rest of the day. Like, it's, people sometimes think her voice is grating. I think yeah, I, I really like it too. It's, it's innocent. Yeah, probably like, maybe more so than any other song on the record. Mm-hmm. I, I find the guitar part uh, really funny because it's like, it is played like you would, like someone who had just learned to play guitar oh, would yeah. play a rhythm guitar part. Like, like the first picking pat, uh, <laughs> strumming pattern that everybody learns. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, what's and next? Think, and you know, <laughs> a lot of very talented players on this record, so that was done very deliberately. <laughs> Awesome. Um, next is meaningless. Meaningless. You mean it's all been meaningless? Every whisper and caress. Yes, yes, yes. It was totally meaningless. Meaningless. Like when two fireflies fluoresce. Just like everything I guess. Yes, it was utterly meaningless Even less A little glimpse of nothingness Sucking meaning from the rest of this mask Yes, 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 it was thoroughly meaningless And if some damn bulb should say We were in love in some way Kick all his teeth in for me And if you feel like keeping on kicking, feel free Meaningless So this, yeah, this, okay This definitely reminds me of my first real breakup Aww. <laughs> Like, I definitely felt that way Aww. Um, And it was, it was, uh, it had become a long-distance relationship um, my, my first serious girlfriend went off to college And I was so surprised when she broke up with me <laughs> In retrospect, I am not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so many people, I asked so many people what, what their 12 songs were. Uh-huh. And um, most of the men I know put this on there. Interesting. And I, I um, yeah, I guess maybe there's a certain 
certain way that your heart breaks that the song speaks to. I don't yeah, know. But also, I think I, I like the the like driving, uh, you know, eighth note drumming. Mm. Um, and uh, but it's done. This would be a good hardcore punk rock song. That's, that's what like, I was going to say. It like, would be so good. It's, a, it's like, like a punk song done yeah. in a magnetic fields way. So yes. it's not actually hitting very hard. <laughs> Meaningless. Yes. Yeah, you could totally I, hear I it as like, done. oh, that would be yes. so good. Yeah, it would be amazing. Um, I want to go do that right now. Yeah. Um, okay. What do so you got? I bookended my six songs. So I started with "I Think I Need a New Heart," mm-hmm. which which is uh, kind of what what I listen to when I hurt someone else, and I'm like, well, I told you that this was kind of like how yep. I am. And then this last one for me is the the same thing, um, crazy for you, but not that crazy. Ah, okay. So it's kind of like songs where I've hurt someone and I'm like, sorry, you knew that I was going to hurt you. Here we go. I built a ship with my own hands to take us to the moon. I took a pen in my own hand and wrote you a now I'm crazy for you, but not that crazy. I'm crazy for you, but not that crazy. I pretended you were Jesus, you were just dying to save me. I stood beneath your window. So this is a this is a skip for me. Uh, I think I think the only one of the ones you picked. It's something something about the grinding instrumentation, like it's rough for me. I really like but how I he's playing with tempos and yeah. singing. Um, again, kind of doing the like um, ig- ignoring that there's like the driving rhythm underneath and doing his like show tuny. Um, that's waltzy true. stuff on top of like the beat. I like that that he's acknowledging that like I was just reading the article about how the Romans had three different names for love. Ah, uh, okay, sure. And three different phases of love, and none of them line up with like kind of our Western. Not that they weren't Western, but like line up with our ideas, modern ideas of love as like one thing. Uh-huh. And how. Um, I think he really like recognizes that there's like all these different stages of love and that, um, yeah. And you like, so he's talking about all the beginning stages yeah. and then he's like, yeah, I'm done with like that beginning stage now. Like I'm not like, you know, standing under your window with my ukulele anymore. Right. Yeah. I guess that's, I mean, that, that's, uh, like an aspect of relationships that I feel like has been, uh, you know, thoroughly explored in literature but is but is largely ignored by pop music mm-hmm. um you know that that rough transition from mm-hmm. from the uh uh honeymoon phase to the and now we're standing right. next to each other brushing our teeth yeah exactly and it's boring um i mean there probably are some other good pop songs about that but 
I can't think of any off the top of my head. He just keeps going back there, though. And oh, really, Yoko, like, maybe? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh. Oh. Uh. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so, yeah. So, this is another... Um, it's a song that I might throw on a mix to kind of warn someone. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to fall out of love with you. You're, you're the only person I know who uses mixtapes as a warning. <laughs> <laughs> What? It was on the tape. I told you. I had instructions. Okay. This is it. It's the last song on, on 12 Love Songs. Awesome. Um, And I think this is my favorite song on the whole record, but I think it's the wrong pick. But we'll see. You'd had a drink, maybe two You don't remember Paris, hon But it remembers you It's true, we flew to Paris, dear Aboard an army jet The night you can't remember The night I can't forget So not qu- a little bit after uh, this album came out, I was in a band that had a youth. I played ukulele and there was an accordion player. Um, and uh, we did not cover this song, but Aww. in retrospect, I wish we had. And I, I I, feel like if we had written a song like this, I, I would have felt good retiring at that point. Nice. Um, I I love the, the use of the cello. Uh, I love the accordion part. I, I love everything about this song. I haven't even mentioned the lyrics. What about the lyrics? Um, so it's um, it's a real like uh, sort of it doesn't it, it explores story more than character, I guess, um, because um, I don't know. I get I get more of a sense of like like with the scene than than the person singing mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Um, which uh, which I think is intentional. It's um, like a painting. Yeah, so it's not, it, it's not a song that uh, you know. I, I suspect for for uh, people for whom this is like a you know very meaningful album because it, uh, uh, because of what it says to them about their own romantic history, this is probably not going to be one of their top picks. Is my guess, mm-hmm. um, because because you can't you. you probably can't see yourself in it as much as some of the other songs that we picked but this is speculation to me it's like a um, yeah it's 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 like a painting yeah um but it's a really good painting yeah a really good painting and um there's a lot of space and the instrumentation mm-hmm. um it really captures that idea of this this as a musical again yes. and again it's like a song that would be lit differently than than the other things we've listened to, um, maybe more like retro-y because it's like yep. the whole flying in a navy plane. Um, but I guess for me, it's like forgettable. Like I don't remember uh-huh. where it goes after that. 
So, so I've been to. Well, the album gets really bad after. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to. So I've been to a few magnetic field shows, and I don't think I've ever been to one where there weren't like forty loud voices at the end of the show, shouting For, out songs that oh, they wanted to hear as the encore. And I just hear anyone who's listening to this, even if it's like our six friends that really loves the magnetic fields, I really hear them. They're like, book of love. Yeah. Book of love. Oh, oh yes. Like, I can't believe we didn't pick that, like, right? Like, there's people out there like, are you kidding me? I know. You're right. Um, I, I had that thought before so, we started. So I think we need to do seven love songs and we need to play book of love okay. just for, for like completeness of... That that's the song. That's the song that even if you've never heard Magnetic Fields, you've yep. heard the song. The book of love is long and boring. No one can lift the damn thing. It's full of charts. And facts and figures and instructions for dancing. Dancing. But I, I love it when you read to me and you you can read me anything. Um, and they're also wondering why we didn't pick Love is Like Jazz. No, really. no. Um, that, uh, that is an example for me of a song that um, I find difficult to listen to because it's too real, sort of. Mm-hmm. It, it taps into sub, like, a, like a void that I have a hard time looking into, sort of. Sure. It's, it's, um, it's very like a human condition-y. Yeah. And very... Uh, and there's irony in it, but it's like much more muted. And um, I think the reason that so many people have heard that song is because it's uh, sonically familiar. Yeah. And a lullaby. And um, there's a sadness there. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, it'd be a good song to hear at a funeral. Right, it's play it um, at my funeral, everyone. I, that's that's what it is for me. It's that um, it's this feeling of like um, you can you can spend your whole life and you'll never figure out even a small fraction of this. And like as a as a middle aged person, I feel like uh, oh, I understand there are a lot of things like that. That as a younger person, I felt like oh, you know, at some point I'm gonna totally understand mm. this, um, and that's not gonna happen with no. any of those things. No, and that's very painful for me to think about but awesome that we get to go there yeah like awesome that we get to experience that and um to be really like explicitly ridiculous with this it's like making the the hidden things unhidden yeah and um forcing people to confront things that are easy to ignore in your like everyday life yeah 
So yeah, serious. So yeah, so I do love that song, and then I also kind of want to listen to like a Ween or a Buzzcocks song afterwards. <laughs> well, we could we could go out on eighty seven at the Pyramid if you want to dig that up. Oh yeah, or let's do you, it. If you have the ability to dig that out, I, I have I have abilities. Uh, this is this is the I only one. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Well, we here's what we'll do. We're, we're going to make a Spotify playlist of uh, of our twelve love songs. And uh, we didn't talk about uh, track sequence at all, but I think um, I'll make the playlist. I'll share it with you, Laura. Great. We'll we'll mess around with it until we have a track order we can agree on, and then yes. we'll make it public. And you can find the link at hiddenjukebox.com. Uh, I did buy the domain name. Yay. Uh, and I'll I'll make us a Facebook page also. This I don't is know. becoming a whole thing. Uh-huh. I mean, we're still, we still haven't like published this episode yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> Um, I have people begging me, like, "Where's the link?" Okay, well, people, the people are there's, people are clamoring for this. Okay, uh, so uh, I'm Matthew Amster Burton. I'm Laura Lowe, and uh, we're gonna go out on 87 at the Pyramid. Never to notice me. I saw you.